Well, this morning, the title of my message is, I want to be just like my Father. God, that is. I want to be just like my Father. God, that is. My text is going to be in Luke chapter 15, and I guess I really don't know for sure how, how to start off and introduce the sermon, except for my wife and I were watching a sappy movie the other night, and the, the pastor got up, and he just said a couple of words, and it just really sparked something in me. And he, and he got up, and he just said a few words about the fact that the story, the parable of the prodigal son was not about the son. It was about the father. And I turned to her, and I said, that's my message for Father's Day. That's going to be my message for Father's Day. So there's where I got my inspiration, kind of, not. I know God gave the inspiration, but, but that sparked something in me. And, and if you know me, I love this parable, and I've preached on it. It's one of my favorite sermons that I've preached. Maybe nobody else liked it when I preached it, but <coughs> it's one of my favorites. So this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, if you have your Bibles... Let's get them out and hold them up. I love seeing Bibles. This is God's Word for me today. Give you a minute as you turn to Luke chapter 15. We're going to be starting in verse 11. Read through verse 32. But as you're looking that up, so many things run through my mind as I was thinking about today and thinking about Father's Day and and. The awesomeness of being a dad, loving my kids and, and, and trying to do what's best for my children and, and wanting my children to have what they need and, and, and to even have a little more than what they need. And, <coughs> and I heard a statement this week and, and, and it was, you know, we, we want our kids, just want our kids to be happy and, and, and to, to grow up and have and become good citizens. And, and, and that's true. But what, what I was reminded of is the thing that I want most for my kids is that they know Jesus. I'm, I'm telling you, I want my kids to have all the great things in life. I want, them, I want them to be able to, to be healthy and I want them to be happy and I want them and, but I believe that if they get the first part right, that the rest of it will follow. If I can do my part to instill in them the fact that the most important thing you're ever going to need is Jesus. And if you get Jesus, then all the other things in life are going to come along and maybe you're not going to have everything you wanted but the things you have are going to be what God wants you to have, and you're going to be blessed. And I thought about that, and I, and I thought, am I doing as a father things that draw my children to Christ? Or am I doing things as a father that are pulling them away from Christ? Am I living my life in such a way that, that my kids want to know Jesus because He's awesome? Or am I doing things that my kids will say, well, huh, what good is that? 
And I'm challenged. And, and yeah, my kids are older now, but that doesn't relieve me from the responsibility of living my life for Christ in such a way that my kids can see me and say, hey, dad's an old dude now. And he's still serving Jesus, so there must be something about it. He's not perfect. They're not in here. They probably would say, I am. But, but I know I've made many mistakes in raising my children, and yet I, I, I want them to see the successes in serving Jesus. I want them to see, because they've seen some of the struggles that have come along in our life. They've lived in the home. They've seen that, but they've also seen that we, as we trust in Jesus, we, we realize that He is helping us through those. And so when I come home from church, or when I, when, I, when I get up in the morning, or when I go to bed at night, or when I come home from work, are they hearing from my mouth, and are they seeing from my life as their father things that are going to draw them to Christ, or things that are going to destroy their faith? I'm not responsible for whether or not they follow Christ. This morning as I was praying, and, and the Lord reminded me, I'm not responsible for that but I am responsible for <laughs> whether I give them the opportunity. Do I encourage them or do I discourage them from following Christ? And so my model is not any father that I've known in this life, but my model is God Himself. So when I say I want to be just like my father, God... That should be my burning passion. And when I see and I get a sense of God, then I, get, I see and I get a sense, one, of my shortcomings, and two, of my desire to overcome those shortcomings and to be a better father myself. And to encourage other men to be better fathers, whether your kids are little or, or grown, to continue to be that kind of father that brings encouragement of the faith. They can see your life and not see perfection, but see a striving to be more like Christ, to be more like their Father God. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Lord, this morning I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word, and even though this was a parable of Jesus, he was teaching them about his father God and our father God and how much love he has for us.
God, I pray that as we go through the remainder of these few minutes, that you will open our heart to one, how much you love us, and two, to how much we need to respond to that. And Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was thinking about this this morning, and, or this week, and preparing for this morning. Just a lot of things that come to mind, and, and even as I read the scripture again, one of the things the Lord reminded me was the son knew his father. The son knew how much compassion his father had. Your kids know your capacity because of the way you live your life. A few things I see in this, as I was preparing, I see, first of all, God allows us to make choices. You see, as a, a loving father, God's desire is not that he forces us to love him. God's desire is not that he forces us to serve him. You know, when our kids are little, we have, we, we, we say force, we force them to do certain things, don't we? And it's for their good, and we should. <laughs> Unfortunately, too many times, you know, uh, we won't go there, but, but we should. There's a time when we, we do, we force our children to do things because that's what they have to do. But there also comes a point and we begin to let our kids make decisions. And what we have to rely on is and what we hope is that we have instilled in them things that will help them to make wise decisions. And so we give them a little leeway and as they get older, we give them a little more till, we, till they come to the point where we no longer have the ability to force them to do anything. But throughout that, our desire is that because of what we've taught them and trained them, they will willingly do what's right. They will willingly do the right things, and they will willingly, not, not because we forced them, but because they've made that right choice. And how much joy it brings to us when we see our kids and we see that they've made a right choice and how much sorrow it brings to us when we love our kids and we see that they've made a wrong choice. That's the way our Father God is, isn't it? You see, He could force us to serve Him. He could force us to get up and come to church on Sunday morning. He could force us to give Him money. He could force us to be kind to people. But He wants us to do all those things because we love Him. Because of what He has done for us, we, we long and we desire to worship Him. We long and we desire to do what's right. We long and we desire to love people. We long and we desire to help others and to show them compassion. You see... As God allows us to make choices and what Jesus, as he was telling this parable, was showing the people is that choices will be made. We can do our part by training children, <coughs> excuse me, training our kids, but not only by what we say, but how we live, because we are training our kids. I coached baseball, I coached kids, and I always tried to teach kids to use two hands when they catch the ball, right? It's unheard of anymore, but we won't go there. 
But what good would it do for me to stand out there and coach and say, okay, use two hands when you catch the ball. Okay, throw me the ball. And don't do it myself. The other day, I'm, I'm playing catch with Zach, and I'm using two hands to catch. Zach, you're supposed to use two hands. Why? Well, you know, because you have different reasons. But if I stand there and I don't do it, and then I tell him to do it, then I've said one thing and I've taught him something else because he's going to do what I showed him, not what I told him, right? If we tell people, if we tell our kids they're supposed to be kind and they don't see us being kind, well, you get the picture. But when we look at the example of our God, and we, if you truly want to follow the God, your father God's example, man, we miss the mark many times, don't we? Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not, not depart from it. It's, it's our responsibility, as I said earlier, to do our very best to teach and to train, both by our words and by our actions. We have no excuse when our kids act like us. <laughs> How many parents have seen their kids take your worst trait and act it out? And you're thinking, okay. Yeah, they got that from their mother. <laughs> it seems like that's the thing they pick out, right? Why don't you pick out the one where I, you know. God allows us to make choices. As a good father, as a good parent, you're going to let your kid make choices because you're not going to teach them anything if you make all their choices. You have to, you know, you're 18 years old. You have to do this every day. Now, I always said as long as my kids live under my roof, they're, they're under my rules. But that didn't mean I forced them to do everything I forced them to do as a five-year-old. You know, okay, now it's time to go eat your vegetables. Come on. And God does that with us as well. And he does that because he wants us to serve him from our heart. From a position of love and respect and awe. I want to be just like you, God, so therefore I'm going to do what I've seen you do and what I've heard you do. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to live that out. Because of that, God gives us opportunities. In verse 17 that we read, it says, But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. You see, <coughs> the Holy Spirit will give us the opportunities to respond to our Father God. The Holy Spirit will plant us in places and give us opportunities to respond to him. You're here this morning, right? So you're here this morning, and it's just one opportunity to hear from him and to respond to him. But if you think about your life and as you think about the situations you've been in, you've had many times we get opportunities to respond to a circumstance in a situation, and we don't do it. Or we do it the wrong way or with the wrong attitude. God gives us the opportunities, and we know that we can trust him. He's never failed. And he gives us those opportunities. Many times as fathers, we give our kids the opportunities to realize, hey, there's a better answer to that question. There's a better way to do that thing. I'd love to show you. 
there's a better response to that situation. I'd love to help you with that. And that's the way the Holy Spirit does as, as our Father God allows, allows those opportunities to come into our life. The Holy Spirit will speak to us and He'll say, hey, there's a better way to respond to that circumstance. There's a better way to deal with that situation. And then we have the responsibility to respond. There is always, with our Father God, there is always a place of redemption. As a parent, as a father, we need our kids need to know, no matter how bad they mess up, dad loves them, mom loves them, and there's going to be a place of redemption. There's going to be an arm outstretched, and there's going to be an opportunity to ask for forgiveness and to receive completely that love that that father has, just like our father God. As a human, we sometimes come up short in some of these areas, but our desire should always be to be like God in those opportunities. Another thing I see in this, in this parable is God anxiously awaiting our return and ready to meet us. This is, one of the, this is just one of the things that, one of the many things in this scripture that just, I, I see this picture and I see the awesomeness of God as, as he sees his son mess up. As he sees his son go the wrong direction. As he sees his son do the total opposite thing that he should do. And God sees that. And God, as he sees that, he realizes he's made the wrong, the, kid, the, the, the son has made the wrong choice and he's went off. But then as he sees the heart begin to change, can you imagine the excitement? Oh, he's about ready. Ooh, I see a stirring. Oh, he's listening to the Spirit. And he turned and he got up. And we don't know the distance. It says a far country. We don't know how far that was. But we know that according to the parable, as we get a picture of God, we see God on the edge of his seat waiting for us to begin to make that turn. And then he doesn't sit there any longer. He says, oh, the time is ready. I'm going. I'm out of here. I'm after him. And we see a God who is anxiously awaiting and ready for our return and coming after us. And as loving parents, our, our heart, when, when they're broken, when our kids make the wrong decisions, our de whole Desire is that they come back to that place. And when they do, as, as a father, as a parent with a heart of God, we don't wait for them to get all the way home, do we? <laughs> we say, oh, I'm coming after you, buddy. And I'm going to show you what real love's all about. I'm going to show you what real forgiveness is all about. I'm going to show you what it means to be restored. I'm going to show you what it means to have somebody that loves you unconditionally. I'm going to show you what it means to have a heart after God. A lot of times we, we want to sit back with our arms crossed and say, well, I told you so. Don't come crying to me. You made that bad choice. Don't expect me to bail you out. No, I'm not talking about, you know, you have to understand here. You can't bail your kids out all their problems, but when they turn, 
And when they're coming back, if we have the heart of God, we're just going to melt. We'll say, oh, man, I've been waiting for this day. And I'm excited to give you that, what you are needing today. And so that takes us right in to the fact that God's forgiveness is swift and complete. Verse 22, But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. You see, we, we, we talk about God's grace, and we talk about God's mercy, and here's where... Where in Jesus telling this parable, he's saying, here's how God is going to react to your cry of repentance. Here's how God is going to react when you come to him and when you ask him to forgive you. Here, he's not going to say, well, we're going to wait and see if this is real. I'm going to give this a couple of, couple of weeks and we'll see if this is actually you're real hard or if you're just trying to get something from me. Because see, in our humanness, many times we, come on now, many times we struggle with that complete forgiveness. We want to make sure that it's really real. And we got to be, we got to use our head and we got to be discerning. But what I'm talking about here is somebody with a heart of repentance and a forgiveness that is complete. You see, as a, as a parent, as a dad, you, sometimes this takes a lot of strength. We got to really trust God in this. It's not for the sissies, for the real men. Say, man, I love you. I forgive you. Not only do I forgive you, but I want to, I want to, I want to put you, I want people to know that you're my son. See, I'm not going to make you a servant. I'm going to, I'm going to put the robe on you and the ring on you, and I'm going, to, I'm going to have the feast for you because I want people to know you're my son. And that's how God loves us so much. When we come to him and when we come before him with a, with a pure heart, he says, listen, come on, let's strike up the band. My son has come home. He's not just some outcast. He's not just, he's my son and he's home and we're celebrating. And so this morning as we think about that picture of God's grace and mercy, we realize that if we want to be like God, that we have to learn how to forgive the way God forgives not just our kids, not just our family, but we got to learn how to forgive like God forgives. Now, when you get that perfected, you write a book, and it'll be a bestseller, and a lot of people will read it. Most people won't follow it, but a lot of people will read it. Because I, I firmly believe that every Christian wants to live out this principle of complete forgiveness. And at times we all struggle with it, don't we? Maybe it's our 
spouse. Maybe it's one of our kids. Maybe it's our neighbor. Maybe it's somebody we went to school with 30 years ago and we're still holding the grudge. Who knows? But we struggle with the complete forgiveness that will set us free. Maybe that person is just as rotten and ornery as they ever were, and we're bound by that unforgiveness. Let Forgive them. Set yourself, let God set you free from that bondage and then deal with them because they're forgiven by you. And many times we struggle with that with even those we love. We struggle with that grace and mercy that has been applied to us and we struggle with giving that to those around us. One of the things about this parable that, that trips a lot of people up, and it trips up mostly the good church people, like myself, is we see this story unfold, and we see this parable unfold about God's goodness and God's grace and God's mercy to those who have who have been unfaithful and who have walked away and who have who have squandered their dad's living and who have done all the bad things. And then here we have Brother Joe. He says, "What's going on here? What's go, what's the noise? What's going on? Well, we're throwing a party. Your brother's home. Well, that." No good, rotten, spoiled brother. I've been here the whole time. I've been doing my job, and I've been doing his job, and I've been taking care of dad, and he's grumpy, and I, I don't know if I... But I've been doing... I've been doing it all. I mean, I've done everything. And I've not gotten a party why didn't dad throw me a party? Why didn't dad say, oh, good job, son. You know, you're awesome. You're more awesome than your brother. How many just long to hear you're, more, you're, you're the favorite? Come on. You're, the, you're my favorite. That's, uh, that's what he wanted to hear. And he says, listen, I've been in church every Sunday for the last five years. I haven't missed a service. Why don't I get a party? We got somebody, a visitor for the first or second, first or second time, and they get cookies. Hopefully they hopefully they're making cookies this morning because we got visitors. But anyway, and and I've been here week after week after week and after week and I haven't got nothing. But I fall asleep a few times. But other than that, got a good nap. What about me? You see, we see the the brother. Verse twenty nine. Uh, I've titled this point: God keeps track of our faithfulness. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for you. this year brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. You see, sometimes it seems like the faithful get lost in all the excitement of the new. Seems like 
those who are at every work day don't seem to get the same amount of praise as when somebody finally shows up for the first time. Say, oh, I was so glad that you came to the work day. And the other people are like, I haven't missed one. What's the big, why are you making a big deal? When I was preparing this message, God, God reminded me of something. I don't forget a thing. There's not one time you showed up at a work day that I haven't kept track. There's not one prayer meeting that you showed up to that I didn't take note of. There's not one time you reached your hand out to somebody and gave them a cup of cold water in my name that I don't know about. And it reminded me that it, I, that he's in charge and, and he knows the whole story. He knows your motives. He knows your heart. He knows everything about it and he's keeping track. I was kind of encouraged by that a little bit because I, I've been there. I've been the one who hasn't missed a thing, and then when somebody new shows up, they get all the praise. Whew! Man, they sure made this work easy, didn't they? Seriously? Oh, come on, can't we be honest? Can't a good brother be honest for a minute? I've been there! I've been a little bit discouraged by, by some of that, and, and the Lord just reminded me today, He's like, you know what, dude? I keep track. My numbers are never wrong. And when you do it for me, because the Bible tells us that only the things we do for Him last, and when you do it for me, I got it down, brother. So as I, it's kind of a concept. In, you know, usually this brother gets a bad rap. Usually, you know, they want to talk down about how bad this brother was. And I, I'm not, What I learned this, through this for this morning is, in this last point, God knows your heart and He knows when you do something for Him and He don't forget it. The pastor may forget to... <laughs> come on now. pastor may forget to mention your name when he's talking about what was done. Been there. God doesn't. And, and when, we truly, when we truly aren't working for the rewards of man and we're working for the rewards of God, we should look at that and we should say, that's what I'm after. I'm after pleasing God. We talked in our Sunday school lesson this morning in the, in the class in the back about doing things for God. And that's what the end of this story is about, I believe. Being faithful and realizing that God knows. See, the dad in this parable says, hey, everything that's left is yours. All this... Your brother has, has already spent all of his inheritance. All this is yours. But your brother was lost. And now he's found. Let's celebrate with him. Someday you're going to get your reward. So this morning as, as a father, as I think about this parable, and as I, as I really think I want to be that kind of dad, I want to be that kind of man. I want to be that kind of father that really, truly is after God's own heart. That really, truly wants to lead my family and lead my church and lead my community and lead everything, every influence that I have over anything or anybody. I want it to be in a way like God would do it. And so I want to be just like my father.
God that is. Would you bow your heads? We close this morning. Lord, I think if there's any man in here that can't admit this morning that we fall short, we need to. But Lord, I admit that that I, I have fallen short, but I, God, with my heart this morning, I want to be like you. I had a great dad, and I loved him. He taught me a lot of things. But it all pales in comparison to being the kind of father that you are. Because God, when I'm that kind of father, I'm going to be a great father in the natural too, just like my dad was. And God, this morning I pray over each man that's here, every dad, his Father's Day. I pray over every dad. God, may, may our heart be every, every morning when we get up, may our desire be that I want to be the kind of dad that is just like my Father God, who can do all these things in love, who can show my kids and those around me the way and the path back to Him that I have the capacity to love and forgive. I have the capacity to reward. I have the capacity to do everything in the right way and in the right manner. But most of all, that I lead my family, I lead my kids, I live in such a way that leads them back to Christ. That I am the kind of man in my community that when people see me, they know that I'm a Christian because of the way I act, because of the way I live, because of the way I treat people, because of the way I talk about people, because of the way I live my life. They see me and know that I'm a man of God. And therefore, it draws people to you. I want to be the kind of man that people look up to as as a man of God, not because I'm anything, but because I follow you. Because they see you in me. And so, Lord, I pray over every man here this morning, God, that you would give us that heart. A heart after you. Lord, I pray over every person in here, God, because this message, it goes beyond just fatherhood. It goes beyond manhood. And God, it just speaks to our heart. Do we want to be like you? So every man and woman and young person in here this morning, may our heart be to be like you in every aspect, in every area of our life, around everybody that we're around, Lord. May we be constant. May we be the same in the world that we are in the church. May, may we talk on through the week like we do when we're in church, God. May we love through the week like we do in church. May we have compassion through the week like we do when we're in church. May we be just like you. And Lord, if there's one in here this morning that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak to their heart about the opportunity that they have today to accept you. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, as we close this service, if you're here this morning, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or a child, If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, today's an opportunity for you to change your life. The best decision you will ever make is to follow Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, I 
I'm not following Jesus, but this morning I really, something's stirring in my heart. Don't, maybe don't even know what it is, but I need to respond. I need to raise my hand. If that's you this morning, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I want the opportunity to share with you Jesus Christ. Would there be one today who would say, that's me, Pastor. I want to accept him. Lord, as we, as we close this morning, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is faithful. And I know that you will speak to our hearts as we leave this place and you will stir our hearts, Lord, to be what you want us to be. You'll help us to be the, the dads and the men and the moms and the women and, and the young people that you have called us to be. As we leave this place, Lord, may this week be a week when we truly have a greater passion to be like you in every aspect of our life. So, Lord God, go with us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.